0: Hey, quality people. Jarvis here. Just wanted to drop in really quickly with a really quick intro um, as I set up this, which will be one of the final real episodes for our entire podcast series here. Um, But I I first want to thank you all for the amount of feedback and support that I've gotten, a a number of messages, um, clearly a number of downloads for the episodes. Um, Really appreciate, again, the support that you all um gave with plugging into those three episodes where I finally became a guest on my own podcast. Um clearly it was something that I've been I've been asked about doing for some time and I've clearly put it off and I guess this is what happens when you put off that kind of dialogue for over 3 years. I mean the entire time that this podcast has been pumping um I've gotten those questions on and off. Jarvis, when are you going to be a guest? Um and, and this is what happens when you hold off three really deep episodes. Um, For me, you know, I'm still reflective just on this entire journey, but for you all quality people, I just want to thank you all for the show of support, um, the love, the feedback, everything that you all have just stayed glued to all of these conversations. Um, I'm doing something today that is probably going to get me in trouble, so I'm I'm willing to risk it, but today's episode, uh, again, I wanted to come and just kind of speak this one into existence because this is what an amazing person who has been a huge part of this um, entire podcast movement from the background, and now you're gonna see why with this episode. But this is a good friend, Mrs. Chica Odiamene, and she and I were connected through our past relationship working um, at the time at Emory Healthcare. And again, the the episode that I'm bringing you all today is literally the pilot episode. Um, She kind of helped me work through the different bugs that I had to figure out with getting this podcast started. And so this is just kind of a raw and unfiltered, um, interview, but this was literally the first episode of the healthcare podcast, uh, healthcare quality cast podcast show that I never published at the time because, um, I just, you know, it was kind of the experiment. So I figured this would be the perfect way to wrap up, um, our mix of new episodes, and what you all are going to find is that I'm probably, I'm debating, I'll probably kind of release some of the other hidden episodes over time. But this is going to be it for a while as I'm starting to create the format for the new show that I'm going to release. It's definitely going to have a business building and an entrepreneur flair to it, but um, it's kind of a work in progress. So I needed to kind of create the capacity so I can pull it all together for a new, entirely new shows to have video components. Um, a membership component. So kind of upping the ante quite a bit. But um, again, for you all quality people, I appreciate you all so much for following this journey, for being a part of this experience, for giving me such a valued reason to show up every single week for the last three plus years. Um, I hope you all enjoy literally the genesis of this entire journey. Um, I had a chance to connect with chica at a time and and mind you this episode is three years old so a lot has happened in both of our lives since this conversation but um she was so gracious to kind of help me figure this process out And, and this entire podcast would not be possible without her support to uh to help me get it started um i do want to brag really quickly again for chica so much has changed she's changed organizations she is growing her business while still leading within her corporate team but her organization also just recently won the national baldridge award for excellence so when i say quality people that it was always my vision to bring amazing quality leaders into this platform um this is it like literally the first guest that i interview is now going to be a part of helping me kind of close out this entire series of amazing quality guests, but we're ending it with someone who has personally led a Malcolm Baldrige, um, a Malcolm Baldrige award-winning facility. So that was always kind of my intent. Um, and is again, just having her as a friend over the past several years and seeing her growth process has been amazing. So Chica To you, thank you so much. I know you told me never to drop this episode, but I figured this was just the right way to go out. So, everybody, enjoy my good friend, Chica Oriamene. Chica, thank you. I love you for the support. And I know you're not going to be too mad when I tell you that I dropped this anyway. And everyone, we will be back soon with some more information. Some of it will apply to healthcare, Um, some of it's just going to apply to business, right? Because healthcare is a business. And that's the the new part of the journey that I want to be on. So I'll be back very soon with some new content. So everybody take care, continue to make an impact, and please stay connected. Reach out to me anytime for anything.
1: Welcome to the Healthcare Quality Cast, where we spotlight today's most exciting and inspiring quality professionals within the healthcare industry. Our podcast will dive into the career journeys of leaders that work daily to improve quality, safety, and service outcomes for patients, their family members, and their communities at large. Our mission is to provide motivation and direction to our listeners, encouraging you all to continue your efforts in improving the overall quality of health care. And now, your host, Jarvis Gray.
2: Hello, quality people, and thank you for joining us for another episode of the Healthcare Quality Cat. If you enjoyed this free podcast, please show your support by leaving a five star rating and review. And I'll make sure to give you a shout out on an upcoming show to say thank you. Okay, let's get started. Today we have our guest, Chica Adiomene, uh, on the line with us today. Chica, are you ready to share with some quality people?
3: I am, I am. I'm really excited about this, Jarvis, so thank you for having me.
2: Oh, thank you for being on here. So, so, Chica is a healthcare quality improvement professional with over 15 years of experience in patient care services, performance improvement, project management, clinical nurse educator. She has her master's degree in healthcare quality and patient safety. She is an acute care nurse practitioner, a lean Six Sigma black belt. Certified professional in healthcare quality and most recently a certified professional in healthcare patient safety. Chica is an active member of the Institute for Healthcare um, Improvement, the National Patient Safety Foundation, the National Association of Healthcare Quality, and the American Society of Quality. Chica, do me a favor and Take a minute to fill in some of the gaps from that intro, and maybe give our listeners a little glimpse of your personal life.
3: Well, I am um, I am a clinician. Who, if you're a clinician listening, you know that we are trained in the clinical world how to take care of patients, how to assess, diagnose, and treat. And at some point in my career, as a fact, as a clinical nurse educator, I started to see. A lot of uh, quality issues that required more of a strategic approach, and th- th- then I realized that I wasn't really trained to do this, so believe it or not, I went to search for someone who can train me to essentially look at healthcare quality and and use uh, um, an approach that is is thought out and and, and um and focused on achieving that outcome so I went out searching for this this story is really to tell you of my interest it is a typical in our world in in the clinical world for us to uh, think outside of the clinical arena but I'm finding it that is more and more necessary for us to do that Um, so that's a a personal note uh, on, 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 on my career path I suppose and the other personal note is I'm a mom I have three boys, um, and uh, they are the joy of my life. And what else? Anything else, Jarvis? I I can feel in for you.
2: No, I could definitely say. You know, when we first connected, it was learning about you and your nursing background. But um, even at that time, I didn't know there were master's degrees in uh, healthcare quality and patient safety. So, I know those were some of the things that immediately. Drew me to you, but then that same uh, background of having kids and trying to be a healthcare professional and trying to be, you know, a really awesome parent—I um, know those were things that uh, just drew me to you in a heartbeat. So I am so thankful again that you are um, jumping on the podcast, but also helping me run this pilot episode. So thank you very much. Uh,
3: my pleasure. My absolute Great. pleasure.
2: Well, so, Chief, as you know, this is uh, an interview show, um, scripted yes. interviews. So, you know, as I get my podcast up and running, going to make that totally transparent because that gives the show a great sense of consistency for all of our listeners, and so they can okay. pull a value out of it very, um, in a very standard format. So, in um, jumping into the official show, we'd love to start the show with positive affirmations that really get our momentum going. So. Could you please share a favorite leadership quote or a mindset, but also tell us why it appeals to you and how you apply that mindset on a daily basis?
3: Sure. One one of my absolute favorite actually is not from uh, quality improvement; is is a Buddhist uh, quote. It says, "It is better to travel well than to arrive." This is really significant to me because I think back on. All of my graduations, the two master's degree and my bachelor's degree, and I remember um the entire uh time that I was in school. it was in pursuit of this graduation day to graduate to graduate and there's al- there was always this empty feeling after graduation, and I started to think back, hmm, did I really travel well? Did I you know soak up all the knowledge that I needed to and in in a way is far more important than the actual graduation day. Now, I take that to the to the world that I work in, in in the healthcare sector. You know, we often have pockets of achievements that we celebrate, but I think it's really important to reflect on the journey. What can we learn from this? What can you do better? Are you absorbing everything? Are you consciously aware of your um your strengths your weakness your opportunities and are uh, and and you know living it through because once you're on that journey, the likelihood of you getting there is actually high so but we're often surprised and we celebrate the graduation there but I think it's really far more important to reflect on the journey that you're going because you could pull more you could pull so much more from that journey for 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 for, for your for your better uh for more professional growth or personal growth. So that is why that is significant to me.
2: Well and I tell you that that's a great uh that's a great um quote overall. First time ever hearing that one, but some of the key words in there that I pulled out that I really like are reflection, journey and awareness. And uh, definitely, you know, as a as a quality professional, those are things that we constantly try to get our teams to go through. So the fact that you live it is is yes. perfect. Well thank you. All right, so chica, you're great at what you' do, and you've obviously honed your craft, considering the extensive background and time you've spent um, to become such a great quality professional. What would you say is your area of expertise
3: today? You know my areas of our expertise in my opinion, is actually the team building and coaching so Initially, I thought that I needed to be really good at analyzing data, uh, building reports and scorecards and, you know, making it look pretty. And those things are really the aftermath of really the work you've done. So I, I I realized that the most important aspect of actually yielding results would be building a good team and also coaching the team through. Now, in the world, in the in the healthcare sector, you're working with clinicians who are not trained to be statisticians. They're not trained to analyze data. They're, In fact, not, most of them are not trained to use Excel spreadsheets. So you have to sort of come on board with them and, and build a team, first of all, to to try to get everyone to work together. If you've ever worked with a cross-functional team, you realize how important that is. We are often siloed in our world. Um, our vision about what we should do is myopic. If you're in radiology, that's all you know. If you're in the emergency room, that's all you know. If you are in surgery, that's all you know. Now, when you pull those teams together and try to get them to achieve a goal, you will realize how, how again, siloed we are and how important it is for us to work together as a team. And if you don't break that barriers, those barriers, you're, like, you're unlikely going to achieve your goal. So I've gotten really good at team building, pulling a team together to work on a project or to pursue a common goal, and also coaching people or coaching the team leaders through what they should be doing.
2: No, that's excellent. And Chica, I actually want to dig a little bit deeper because I, yeah. I still like the team building piece and the coaching piece, are critical uh skills that I think our quality people that will listen to this podcast could take away. So what would you um offer up maybe as one tip, one tool, one tactic that you found works really well for building up those uh intimate connections within project teams that you've led? Um and, and really maybe walk us through how do you how do you do it and how do you apply it within that project setting?
3: So I have this where I actually do, when I start a project, I think about who my stakeholders are. And I do a, a stakeholder analysis just on my part. I think about how much impact this stakeholder will have on the goal, or on this project, and how engaged they are. Now, you often find that maybe the people will, that will have the greatest impact may not necessarily buy in into what you're doing. So what I've done is I've actually learned from my training that when you get pushback, when you get that people are not buying in, it's not because they truly don't want to. It, a lot of times is they don't truly understand. I've I've made it a point to actually meet with my stakeholders individually, not the first time we meet as a group, but meet with them individually to talk about this. First, I begin with acknowledging what they do, their scope of practice. We often hear titles, but we don't always know the scope of what the person does. So my intent is really to understand the person and give that person an opportunity to understand why this project is important to them. And also hear their fears, their challenges, their barriers. Sometimes they're not buying in because they're thinking, this is just another thing I have to do. And it also gives them the opportunity to understand how much they need to put into this project. So that level of information is often relaxing for them. And then, and I try to do the same with every single stakeholder. Usually it's not, you know, maybe five to seven people. And then when we meet as a team, this is what I do. If this is a, something that is focused on patient care, I often try to remind them that uh, this is focused on patients, and it could also be for this service could be for their family members. I'll give you an example let's say we're working on cardiovascular problem, right the, Maybe the care or the process we we're trying to design is for some cardiovascular care. I will often introduce myself and say, "Hey, I have a loved one with this risk factor and may very well need this care one day." And what that does, it opens them up to start to say, hey, my name is So -so So, and I have a loved one too. So now when we get to the design of the process, they start to see it as, designing it for their loved one and what is the absolute best thing. One mistake we've we've done when we're designing a process or we're designing a a, a plan of care for patients is we, we don't do this consciously but sometimes we, we make it convenient for us and not for the patient. But when we turn it around and we could see our loved one receiving that care, we again make it patient central. So those are some of a few tactics that I use.
2: No, that That is perfect, and so I, I love your approach with the personal connections with your stakeholders, having those one-on-one meetings to hear them out and kind of get a feel for uh, how they're going to impact your project, but the focus you have around the uh, making it a patient focus and a patient-centric um, support process, I've, uh, I, I've shared this with plenty, but I had a tactic that I've used several times where I actually have a picture of my grandmother in my wallet and oh, wow. when it's time to pull the picture, you know, when it's time to pull the, uh, the team together to work on our projects, I'll yes. take my picture out and I'll put it on the board. And then as the huh. team's brainstorming different solutions and we, like you said, start coming up with those things that make us feel better, I point yes. to the picture of my grandmother and say, hey, remember, this is for my grandmother. So um, that, yes. that has always helped to turn the conversations back to the patient. So I, I love that you do that as well.
3: Well, you I know, I, I love the picture idea. I hope you don't mind if I steal it. Um, It's brilliant Um, because it, sometimes it's really hard for us to remember our focus, and it's not intentional, it, it, and I know that. But that picture is just a visual cue of, hey, is this the best thing for your grandmother or any picture that is up there? So that's really a brilliant idea. Thank you for sharing that, Jarvis.
2: Oh, absolutely. We uh, we we call that the case method, the copy and steal everything. So please take it and, and <laughs> use it. <laughs> All right, let me uh, let me jump to the next question for you, Tika. And you, you're doing an amazing job, an amazing interview. But for this next question that I'm going to throw at you, we like to call this the Mythbuster question. Yeah. And so, as quality professionals in healthcare, we often come across those team members that don't fully recognize the value of quality improvement, be it lean or six sigma, simply okay. because so much comes from outside of healthcare. Right. Is there, you know, that one myth about healthcare, quality, safety, or service that you may have believed early in your career but don't anymore, and maybe what, what helped you move past that that preconceived notion you had?
3: You know i i have uh, actually read some things some about what people believe, and I realized that or some of the myths that people believe about some of these methodologies that can be used in healthcare and I realized that I, I was just one of them. you know I thought you know this is this whole lean fixing sigma stuff is designed for car industries and other sectors, and not healthcare we're human beings here, and it 's not applicable to human beings. Um, I, I, was, I actually have said that, or well, you're giving me an example of you know time, but you know you're not thinking about a human beings. So it was often a, the fact that humans delivered care and not machines. So I, I was one of those that believed that it wasn't applicable, or um, or you know, statistic had no place in in healthcare delivery uh, uh, world. But I have since, of course, with all the training that I've gotten, and and really what changed my mind is really getting into the training and understanding more and learning more and reading more and realizing how this is actually a better approach and how we will not waste our time on how, how we can sustain the good things that we've done or how we can control the good things that we've done and make sure it's applicable all the time, not necessarily on... People that are there, so I've uh, I've I've certainly changed my approach or my mindset about this. But I really was the typical. This is not applicable to uh, healthcare, and you know um, it doesn't work, or I don't understand how statistic is going to help me. You know, do better for patient and you know, go on and, so on and so on and so forth. So,
2: no, perfect. Well, I'm definitely glad you, you had that uh, that transformation there because uh, we definitely need more clinicians like yourself jumping into this healthcare improvement world. Let me turn the corner just a little bit, Chica, and now I want to get you to maybe share with us, um, throughout your journey, what would you consider would have been maybe one of the worst moments that you've had as a healthcare quality leader? and really take us to that moment uh tell us a story but then also maybe share with us how you were able to turn the curve and find success and learnings from
3: that experience sure well one of the worst moments that I could really think of is when i realized that the leaders or um or some of our leaders weren't truly aware of what it means to have the safety culture, or uh, or use improvement methodology, or adopt this uh, lean approach to to care. You know, there's this tendency, and, and and I share that responsibility because I think I walked into this world thinking I'm going to provide the service and people will understand and perhaps even appreciate it. But then a worse moment was when I realized that they didn't even get it. They did not understand that you you need to be proactive with um, with your with your process to make sure it doesn't fail. You need to evaluate its effectiveness. You need to measure. You need to, in fact, have a goal. And and it was one of the frustrating times in my life. And I wondered, have I actually done the right thing? And I share the responsibility of that frustration because I walked in expecting the clinician or the leaders in the organization to be where I was. They didn't go out and get a master's degree in healthcare quality and they don't have a Lean Six Sigma black belt. They don't have uh, patient safety certification. They've not read all those things that I've read. and That was actually a good moment for me, a growth moment for me because then I sat back and part of what I was before I was uh, before I got all this training. And I realized I thought just like them. So, why that was a, a worse moment, so imagine being alone. <laughs> it, was a, it was a feeling of loneliness. It was a feeling of, God, no one truly understands this. It was a feeling of, I'm just going to give up and not even say anything anymore. But it was hard to see what was going on. It was hard to see that things can be done in a different manner. You can improve it, but It was really just the people that you thought would cheer you on didn't even get it to begin with. So I share the responsibility because I think it's our job as healthcare quality professionals to approach our leaders in a way that they can understand. That is a hard, that is an art. We have to bring it to them and have them gain their buy-in. If not, we're going to keep bumping our heads on the wall. And they're not going to get it. We also have to acknowledge that they don't have the same training as we do. So going in there, expect them to not know. Expect them to say things that are going to blow you off the wall. Expect those things, but you have to tailor your presentation to their understanding. Um, So a story uh, that you asked for is once I was trying to work on a project to improve
1: prove
3: a care that we gave in stroke. So I presented data and terms of this is what we need to do and this is what the guidelines says and and the argument wasn't about any of that, but why should we do it? We don't have time for this. And that that was that was uh disheartening for me. It, the argument wasn't even I I didn't think the argument that I was being uh, upheld mattered. I thought it, we should really look at the data, this beautiful data that I've presented to you, and, and say, oh, my God, we're doing poorly. we got to do better. But it wasn't that. And I realized that I thought this through in my head as, and I expected him to jump on. Again, it was my approach. I should have started from the beginning to talk about, you know, sort of using a, a charter. This is a problem. This is implication. This is why we need to do. Do you agree? Do you disagree? Is this important? Um, and even helping them uh, to integrate some of this approach into the organization's uh, strategic goal. Right, So you need to improve this, and this is part of our organization's uh, strategic goal, and we need to work on this. So terms of using that approach, so we need to share our responsibility to know how to present things to our leaders and also understand and not expect them to get it right away. I think that's the, the, the summary of it,
2: of my story. Absolutely. Chica, I, I can definitely say I think you touched on a lot of emotions that that a lot of healthcare quality professionals share. I shared many of them when I came into the healthcare industry, and uh, most of the colleagues that I've continued to work with and many of the folks that I coach share very similar feedback around the leadership support, that feeling of loneliness. um, And and what what I really loved from your message was the point that it's our jobs as quality professionals to translate all of the technical pieces, the science of improvement, into a way that our leaders can understand it. That's the art of the quality improvement world. So that was a great summary and maybe a a takeaway that I pulled from your message. But um, what would be maybe that lasting effect that you really would want to communicate? What's the major takeaway from your point of view, from your experience in
3: this? I think a major takeaway is... um, Make sure, just like when you do a stakeholder analysis, also do an analysis of your leader in terms of what you're doing, healthcare quality, process improvement. Do an analysis of them. Look at your trend. Look at whomever you're talking to, because you know we think about you know the the new and exciting thing that is coming up in healthcare for me is the uh, high reliability organization uh, concept you've got to really look at your leader so you know where to begin. You know where to, where to start. You know what data to pull. You know what research, what article to read, how to guide your presentation. Assess not just your stakeholders, but also assess your leaders. Because remember, they hired you for your expertise. It's not for them to understand. It's for you to teach them to understand and, and then support you. Without their support, you're hardly going to get anywhere. So. That that's
2: that's my takeaway. All right. No, that is perfect. And Chica, my friend, you must be the queen of segues because the <laughs> next question I'd love to throw your way, you kind of touched on it with uh, your statement about high reliability, but what are some of the current changes taking place across the healthcare industry that you are excited about, and what role do you see quality professionals playing to help promote it or sustain the the overall longevity?
3: So, some of the things that are um that are exciting for me is the fact that we are now being paid for we uh, the incentive for quality of care. the measures that we have to report we have agencies like leapfrog v z and other organizations that are looking at quality of care and all is all, is reportable is open so that is actually engaging a lot of leaders to say, "Hey, how do we make this better now there is a a uh, um a disadvantage to that, and I'll talk about that later. So, it, it, what is done is is raised awareness to begin with, right? Now we know that the third leading cause of death in America is um, uh, harm to patients. You know, being in the hospital and being exposed to possible harm, and uh, that's huge. That's significant. So, these things are raising awareness. So, even if you don't know how to approach it or you don't know what to do, I think every healthcare leader knows that. They need to do something about healthcare quality. They have to do something. We have to measure. We, we. so that is exciting for me. Now, the, one of the things that excite me most is the uh, health higher reliability organization, and the, with its concept. And I think it's such a, um, it's, a it's such a utopic, uh, concept in a way, but. Uh, I, I think it is good to, to sort of have that goal. Even if we think it's not achievable or it's, it's far-reached, it's good to have it on the wall, and it's good to have it plague some organizations and have them attempt to reach it. Now, that is exciting for me. And that what that means is it's opening up a lot of uh, uh, opportunities for healthcare professionals, uh, a health-quality professionals, healthcare quality professionals in in the health sector to come in and say, "Hey, this is how I can help. This is how we can work together with the clinical team to achieve this and achieve this, and we're going to show results, and we're going to show that this is sustainable. Now, the three categories, three major categories in this HRO concept is really leadership first, then safety culture, and robust process improvement. So you see, in, in, in hierarchy for me, leadership comes first. They need to understand. They need to want to do it. They need to buy in. And with this, uh, with this uh, idea that we are being paid based on how the better care we, we provide, and we're being measured and compared at, at each other, we're being compared against other organizations based on our quality of care. I think is enough to um, ignite the leadership's interest, and I think it has. So that's exciting for me. The next is is really building the safety culture and what exactly does that mean, the science behind safety culture. That is an opportunity for a lot of healthcare um, quality professionals to, to get on because with the leadership and culture, then you come in with a robust process improvement. So I, I think this is again the HRO concept is one of the things that excite me, but also the the, the awareness that you know the government is raising, the, the our payers are are raising, and then and then even just other research and article from articles from other organizations just raising that that entire awareness is exciting to me. Um, and then let me add this: when I went to school, there were only three. Uh, um, Three programs offering a master's in healthcare quality and patient safety. Uh, that was, I graduated in 2017 and I started in 2014. And now there are about 12 universities offering this master's in healthcare quality and patient safety. That That, so that that's,
2: is that, that's incredible. Absolutely. That, that's incredible. So it, it really speaks to the fact that, you know, not just the government making healthcare organizations. You know, kind of buy into this, this, you know, mindset of better quality, improved quality, but, uh, organizations, academic organizations are also starting to see that we have to train our healthcare professionals a lot differently than before. So, um, yeah. I, I'm excited about the HRO movement as well. We've talked about it plenty, and, um, so I'm right there with you. I, I think your points about, uh, the leadership really buying in, Um, To not just get behind it, but, you know, for your second point, leadership buying into changing the culture. That's a totally different mindset, and it it takes a a bigger set of guts to achieve it. And then to follow it up with robust process improvement, um, and to your point, that's where the uh, PI professionals, quality professionals step in. You are on the money. So let me ask you this, Chica. Chica. How can he- how can the healthcare industry as a whole become more attractive place then for talented process improvement professionals, quality professionals, uh, to start and grow their careers?
3: Well, I-, I would say this: your talents are needed in the healthcare sector. So think about this. Remember the nurses and physicians and um, nursing assistants or, or technicians. When we go to school, our curriculum is clinically focused. You're not going to find anywhere where it says, "Well, maybe, maybe it's changing." I, I believe it's changing, you know, in recent days. But again, we're not thoroughly—let me use the word "thorough." We're not thoroughly trained to be healthcare uh, quality improvement professionals. So we need those talents in the healthcare sector because. We need someone who we just like you know if you're if you're going to do surgery, you're not going to get an oncologist to perform surgery on you right because you recognize that the training for both entities there is it, 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 they they have two different trainings right so just like in the same way we're not trained to be this you know leaders in p i and and we can' be, but most of us are not trained to do so so we need talent in the healthcare sector. I and mean, I think as we move forward with trying to improve the care we deliver in in, in in healthcare, we're going to start to recognize that we need talent like you to come in and help us. Um, we're going to recognize that we need someone who may not be a clinician to have a different view on concept or in what we're doing. And we need to collaborate. We need that collaboration with both clinical and non clinical professionals to come together and, and be efficient and effective in what we do or what we're in pursuit of. Healthcare is, itrogenic um, uh, uh, problems, meaning harming patients in a hospital, is the third leading cause of death in the United States. That plagues my mind. That plagues me. That should plague anyone. And I don't think we can fix that alone, just being clinicians. That's really the, the, the summary of it.
2: No, I appreciate hearing that. And uh, obviously, I'm coming as a non-clinician that's been in healthcare, doing this work for over a decade. I, I agree. I think the partnership is is going to, you know, take everything so much further. So, Chica, we are at a part of the show right now that we like to call the two-minute drill. And oh, so <laughs> you're, you're doing great, so hang in there. We we are almost on the downside of the interview, and, and you know, again, you're providing such uh, <clears throat> great, valuable input and knowledge for our listeners. But are you ready to jump in, into these uh, two-minute drill questions? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right, so, Chico. <laughs> I'm like, what? I'm is, go
0: ahead.
2: <laughs> not a test. Can't fail, trust me. Uh, okay. So, first question, what is the best piece of advice that you've ever received?
3: Uh, professionally or personally, it doesn't matter.
2: Uh, either or, whatever you feel is best. I'm, I'm open to both.
3: Okay. So, my uh, this actually came from my husband and he once said to me that our driving principle in life should be service to others. He said it plainly and just sort of moved on. And it was something that, I don't know if it was an advice, but it was a conversation, but I took it as an advice. And I took that to be a guiding principle for me, and it's one that I want to teach my children. So if they want to see it as an advice, they should. We should aim to serve others. Luckily, we're in a profession where we're not in search of how to serve others, but there are so many ways to do so. So uh, that is one of the tests. Piece of advice versus. Uh,
2: All right. Well, so I I love it, and I hope that you share this with him because your husband's in the healthcare profession as well. It yes. please feel free to give him a quick shout out
3: if you like. Hi, honey. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, this is. <laughs> I know he's like okay. This is for my husband, Doctor Eme- uh, Emmanuel Dmna. Lodier- he's a nephrologist with. Um, well, he's a nephrologist in Atlanta.
2: <laughs> All right. No, thank you. Thank you. All right, number two. Question number two, please name a favorite leader that you admire and share with us why.
3: So uh, I don't want to name uh, her because I don't know if she will want me to name, but it was actually uh, a leader that I had personally. Uh, I The reason why I, I appreciate her is because of her leadership style. Uh, she it was a, a former boss of mine and i don't like to use boss i like to call her a leader because that's what she was she um her approach was more she was invested in the people that she worked with she was invested in me she was invested in my growth and and it turned around that i uh ended up i my loyalty sort of increased because of her investment in me to grow, do better. You know, our one-on-one conversation wasn't about, well, it was about my performance with the organization, but what about you? What certification are you looking out for? Have you read this article? Do, have you, have you, do, do you need to seek out this growth opportunity? And that was really fascinating to me. You know, I, I, I'm, I'm reluctant to to name a famous leader because the truth is I have not had the opportunity to um, have this one-on-one interaction that I've had with this person that I'm referring to. And it was it opened my eyes as a type of leader that I would want to be where I'm invested in the people that I work with because their growth is my growth. Their uh, advancement is mine, and, and it will show in the work that we do. So I just love that leadership. So I admire her. I cherish her, and she's very dear to my heart. You know what? I'm going to call out her name. Her name is Sherry Koenig. <laughs> <All> right, <laughs> Sherry, Sherry don't be do mad at me. <laughs> Oh,
2: well, hopefully, hopefully, you know, if we have the chance to connect with her in the future. Um, But, no, I I love it. Um, I love the advice and the impact that she's had on you. Um, Thank you for sharing uh, both, you know, her name but also her her impact that she's had. If you could, next question for you. Mm -hmm. Share with us the personal habit that contributes to your success in leading quality improvement initiatives.
3: I think a uh, personal habit is uh self-awareness. You uh, I find that I have to be aware of my own em- emotional um intelligence, if you will. Uh it is important because what we we need to realize that as healthcare professional uh a quality professional, pro- I'm saying this wrong. Healthcare quality professionals, we are influences, we influence people, right? So, and in doing that, you have to be very much aware of yourself. So a personal habit that I do is I actually come home and reflect on conversations or interactions that I may have had during meetings or how my approach was. And every time that, you know, so I meet resistance to anything that I'm doing, honestly, I first evaluate myself. How did I present this? What Did I leave myself open to be misinterpreted? Are uh, there things that I'm not understanding on their part? So that whole—that's a personal habit that I use. It's really just self-reflection, being aware of your own emotional intelligence, and making sure because you you part of the world—is influencing people, and you can't carry your burden and do that. So you have to be aware of it and and recognize how is viewed of um, how the external views may be. That that's. Um,
2: did I answer that question, Jarvis? That, that was perfect. Um, I am huge on reflection. Um, and, you know, here in Atlanta, because of uh, our commutes that we tend to have, I get plenty of time to reflect afterwards. <laughs> on. That is true. Uh,
3: that is true.
2: Uh, next question for you. Uh, please share with our listeners a the number one Internet resource that supports your work and or personal productivity
3: i personally like I, I like to believe that i am still growing in this uh field um and i like the IHI, I, uh w w w i h i dot dot com dot uh, org .org, or, yep. org okay um i think they have a lot of resources to help. Uh so that's a great place to start. They have a lot of online programs that you could train yourself with, listen to. Uh, you know, I've gone to some of their conferences and I, I just find it to be quite beneficial. Um so that is one that I certainly rec- that I, I I go by and I recommend and they have a lot of programs that you can that will certainly help you.
2: All right. Well- well perfect. And again, that leads us maybe a little bit into the set to the next question here. And um it really is around the fact that there are a ton of professional uh societies and conferences related to healthcare. Um yes. are there any that you would recommend that our quality people, our listeners, um, would plug into because it would also add value to them either personally or professionally?
3: Absolutely. Um these are a few that I've joined. As you mentioned earlier, I am a member of Institute for Healthcare Improvement. I'm also a member of National Patient Safety Foundation. There is also a National Association of Healthcare Quality on a national level, and often on a local level. So if wherever you live, see if there is a local chapter that you can join. I'm also a member of American Society for Quality, ASQ. Um i think these are great areas where you can actually get training a lot, like a s q they offer a number of certification programs that you can take to um uh that you can take to better to help your professional growth. and um yeah just look into any of those uh, uh institutions and see i am active members i mean i'm a i am am an active member of those uh institutions so see if any of them you know Helps. They will. They have a lot to offer. So, check them out.
2: No, that, that's those are exceptional resources. Um, so, I definitely hope folks look into those. And very last two minute drill question for you. Then, um, if you could recommend one book to our quality people, uh, what would it be and why? And it could be a personal or professional based book.
3: This is a book that I've read uh, 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 twice, which is. We're really, not typical of me to read one book twice. It's called *The Influential Mind: What the Brain Reveals About Our Power to Change Others*. Is by tally Sherrett. Uh It is an incredible read. I think, I think uh, this is a book that sort of hones in on that whole self-reflection. I mean, this book drills down to what part of the brain is being triggered based on your presentation. And I think it's an incredible book because as healthcare quality professionals, you are going to run into a lot of pushback, (laughs) a lot of challenges, uh, a lot of, uh, uh, I'm not just going to buy into whatever you're saying, dismissals. And I think it's, it's really important to actually sort of tailor your approach. I expect when you're going to get pushback. You have to actually be proactive in, in being getting pushback. So a good way is preparing yourself to say, I know you're going to say this, and this is going to be my counter um, counter response. So I, I I highly recommend this book. It's, it's great. It's a great read. All right,
2: No exception. Uh, I'm not familiar with it, but I will be looking that one up. All right. So Chica, if you, do you made it. I'm
3: sorry If you do audio books, it's available in audio books as well.
2: All right. No, perfect. No, that's excellent. I, I am an audiobook person. Um, so you you've officially made it through the gauntlet, chief, So, I. Yay. Have, well, don't get not too excited yet. I have one last question for you. Sure. <laughs> All right, but this is this is the big one. This is uh, this is that personal favorite um, because now I'm going to try and get you to simultaneously reflect, and you're a reflection person. So I'm going to get you mm-hmm. to reflect on your past but also look forward to your future at the same time. So let's say that you're able to send one text message to yourself 10 years into the past and one Mm -hmm. text message to yourself 10 years into the future. Take a few seconds, think about it, but what would you communicate to yourself in each of those messages?
3: Ah, Wow, that's a a bit tricky. Okay, so if I was going to send a text message to myself... Um, ten years in the past. I would say be clear about your path. Be clear about your path. And uh, should I should I tell you why or just tell you what the text messages would be? Uh, and do you want me to tell you why or just tell you what the, the, the phrase is? No, please do. Okay. So I think The reason why I was, the the text message is to be be clear. I'm looking back 10 years ago, and I don't think I was really clear about where I was going, and perhaps I didn't have enough knowledge or understanding of where uh, I'm going. Not that I regret any decision that I've made, but it's clear to me that that was not a pathway that I designed for myself 10 years ago. So, uh, and I think... Again, part of being uh, clear about where you're going is, again, that self-reflection about what is your purpose in life, what are you doing, what things do you need to do to put you in a position to achieve your goals. Um, although I would say this, I, I am thankful for the experiences that I've gotten that have led me to where I am today. I have no regrets and won't change anything. However, it's always good to sort of have a clear path. Perhaps I probably would have been here sooner or maybe later. I've done things a little bit differently in terms of training to to get me here a little bit quicker. And uh, the my uh, text message from ten years now is is to be adaptable. I think that's what I, I would tell myself ten years. You know, while you plan, even though my previous ten is to you know have a clear path. So while you plan, also leave room to adapt and and let the environment influence you in a way, in a controlled way, and adapt to whatever the environment is like. You career wise, personal wise, but just you know make it easy for yourself to adapt.
2: No, I, I definitely love and I can resonate with um you know, your message about adaptability. I was very Fortunate when I first got into healthcare, I had a, uh, a senior leader or a vice president that I uh, developed a really good relationship with. That mm-hmm. was actually her first piece of advice to me was be adaptable, be flexible in in your you know career plans and your approach. And I, I've kept that with me for well over a decade now. So, um, so that would definitely be some good advice to yourself ten years from now because it's helped me tremendously.
3: Awesome, awesome.
2: All right, so yeah. <laughs> no. all right, Chica, you you've done it. You've uh you've officially made it through. So uh let's end today if you're okay with it, uh giving our quality people a parting piece of advice. Um if you're open to it, I would love, you know, if you willing to share maybe a, a personal uh contact or email or at minimum maybe LinkedIn that folks would love to get in touch with you following this once we get it up and posted and then
3: We'll sign off. Absolutely. Um, uh, a piece of advice that I would give is please know that your talent is needed in healthcare. We need it. I know that it's not openly recognized that we need it, but I think it's getting there, and it will continue to get there. So please come with us with your skill set. and and then also be open to understanding our clinical path or the the path that we've designed. Because sometimes it's not going to make sense to you. But just go home knowing, take this home, that your skill set, your expertise as a healthcare quality professional is needed in the health sector. So bring it, and and with this journey, it will be more exposed. I can actually see that. So... Um, for contact, I am on LinkedIn and uh I am Chica C H I K A, and my last name is O D I O E M E N E or And please feel free to reach out to me via LinkedIn. And uh Jarvis, um, I'm also I follow Jarvis, so if you you go, also find me through Jarvis Gray as well.
2: That's perfect there. and we'll we'll type up, you know, the show notes and we'll have that information posted chica i cannot thank you enough um we will obviously stay in touch um, long after this airs but um thank you for plugging into the podcast for assisting me with this pilot episode to um get it figured out and just the support and being such an amazing quality professional Um, for
3: that i thank you and we're signing off i thank you for having me jarvis
1: Thank you for listening to the Healthcare Quality Cast brought to you by the Quality Coaching Company. If you love the Healthcare Quality Cast, we'd love for you to subscribe, rate, and give a review. Until next time.